Welcome everyone to the Nerd Journey Podcast, bonus episode number seven. Thanksgiving, at least the US timeline for Thanksgiving. We're joining you every week to talk IT career progression and bring you the advice we wish we'd been given earlier on in our careers. I'm your host, John White, at BJourneyman on Twitter, joined by my co-host, Nick Cordy, at networknerd underscore. Hey, Nick, how's it going? Hey, John. I am highly caffeinated as usual. I want to let the listeners know that we are both pre-sales technical engineers with backgrounds in IT operations. We hope our career discussions will be vendor neutral, relevant across disciplines, and remain timeless. If you're enjoying our content, please drop us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. And if you want to get in touch with us, tweet or DM at Nerd Journey. Ultimately, we're just two nerds on a journey. A journey to virtual enlightenment. So let's take a trip. Great, Nick. Hey, uh, I hope you're enjoying the Thanksgiving holiday. We're obviously not recording this during the Thanksgiving holiday, but uh, I hope you're enjoying it. Yeah, it's going to be great. I'm sure there will be massive quantities of food consumed. Uh, do you want to just go ahead and give the listeners your top five delivery pizzas to sneak that in based on your comments from bonus episode two of last Thanksgiving? Yeah, so I think uh, Pizza Hut is number one. Um, Wrong answer. Sorry. I'm going to have to disagree. And number two and number three. So uh, <laughs> agree to disagree. And four and five, since we were talking about five. So, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, you know, Thanksgiving, I think we wanted to kind of talk about the influence of family, you know, and kind of a less formal um, discussion uh, since this is a bonus episode. Uh, so I think we were talking about maybe the, our family's influence on career, uh, our possible uh, influence because of our career on our family and family life. Um, and uh, just to set the table, you know, we might talk about that in kind of a general way, but also in a personal way. Um, and uh, I don't know, does that sound like a good way to go about this, Nick? Yeah. And I think what we're really showing listeners or trying to communicate to listeners is both sides of the coin. You know, Thanksgiving's about family. So let's talk about family and career because we're going to go there. Yeah, that is true. We got to stay on topic. Stay on topic. So when you think about how your family has influenced your choice of career, I think you need to consider the who, what, and the why. Who exactly in your family can be an influence in your career? What exactly is it that they can influence and why do we think that that happens? So if we start with the who, some obvious choices are your parents. You know, if your parents are divorced and remarried, you may have step parents as well in there who have developed a good relationship with you and can, and can have some influence. Grandparents, you know, depending on how long they've been around, hopefully you've learned some things from them, possibly career related, not necessarily. Uncles, aunts, cousins, a lot of a lot of different family members come into the picture. Yeah, so I think what you're saying is it's the people that are that are in our lives that that model for us, right? So if you have an extended like community that's very very close, you know, or some kind of non traditional family unit um, involving people who aren't necessarily blood relatives. Um, but they're in your life, you know, modeling how they balance work and life and family. 
um, then that's that's who we're talking about, right? Sometimes it's chosen family as opposed to our birth families. And, and all of those people that are involved there, like showing us like and influencing us as we grow up, like they all have uh, some kind of echoing effect, right? Either, you know, I love the way that they do that, or it's like obviously natural, like this is the way that things happen. You know, this is the normal way. Um, or, wow, I really don't like how this is, you know, uh, how, what this is like, right? So um, maybe as you're younger, you you just have like a general sense of unease. And then as you get older, like you can actually quantify it, right? I didn't like this. You know, when I grow up, I'm not going to do it this way, that kind of thing. But it all comes down to who's around us. Yep. And then amount of time that you spend with each person makes that influence greater or smaller. And in some cases, you may not even know what that person does or did for a living at one time because you it just never comes up. So, right, right. But if we think about the what, one thing I thought of was family business. Sometimes, you know, a family started a business generations ago and that's just been passed down to children, grandchildren, and someone or, or multiple people are, are relegated to, to carry on the torch. You know, they feel a, a strong desire, maybe a passion that they got from, from their relatives to, to keep that going and, and continue to make it successful. So maybe the, the parents want to train up their kids to, to run the business and be their successor someday. I actually used to work for a company where, you know, the son of the gentleman who started the company took over as a CEO and owner. And he's, you know, probably at some point going to pass that on to his children. Yeah, I think family business is, you know, a prime example of how, you know, direct influence, you know, sometimes it's mandating, right? Like, hey, no, you got to come in like somebody's somebody's got to sweep up the wood chips. I, I don't know. Maybe that's a carpentry business. Um, but uh you know, like, you know, you're either mandated to work there or you just grow up in and around it and it soaks in, right? And everything about that business is being modeled for you. So, you know, that feels like the normal thing. And and some people love it and some people will react strongly against it, right? And and not every child of a, of a family-owned business, like, is going to be qualified to take over that business, right? Because not everybody can, but, um, you know, I think a lot of times like, you know, it can still influence you to work in that industry, uh, regardless. So yeah, really good example. And, you know, to your point about working in the industry, it may be that everyone in your family is, it just so happens they work in the medical field or they're all teachers. You know, we, we've seen that before that, that definitely happens. And it, Again, it's just possible that passing on something in that industry is is important to those who came before us and they want, you know, the kiddos to do the same thing. Oh, yeah, that's really interesting. I, I hadn't really thought about this, but my wife's family, like both her parents were teachers. I think her father is a superintendent of schools now. Her aunt works as a, a school counselor still, I believe. Um so like everybody in that family, you know, was doing something, you know, related to that. And my wife is a flute teacher now, like not a, not in, 
you know, primary or secondary school officially, but it is, you know, still teaching. Very, very interesting. I, I just hadn't thought about that. Like the idea of being in a field and like modeling that field and then having that modeling, you know, echo down, you know, even in, in regional <laughs> or like area of, of, uh, um, of what, what it is that you do. And when so many people around you do something in the same field, it just kind of gets ingrained. Oh, okay. This is, this is important to my family members. This is what they do. Maybe I should do that too. Maybe you're tasked to help them with something. It's, it's funny that you say that and you bring this up. Cause I, I think I realized again, like quite late, late in life in my thirties that, um, you know, I was in IT operations and then I got into like kind of the pre-sale side of things, you know, working for a vendor. My father was trained as a photographer and then he got into the technical sales side of photography, working for a company that almost nobody remembers now, Eastman Kodak. And it just didn't occur to me that I was doing the same job as my father until way too late, you know, years into my my career journey, right? Um but I think it was as I was trying to figure out some things and kind of some lessons that my father had said earlier on about being on the road kind of came echoing back. And I was like, oh, wait, that's right. He did this job. And uh, it just, again, like I said, the the, <laughs> the realization came way too late. Right. And when John says that he realized this in his 30s, take that as 20 to 30 years ago. But as we keep going here, we we mentioned behaviors of the people around you. So your family members, as it relates to work, some of them may be total workaholics. And you may remember that mom or dad or uncle, aunt, stepdad missed everything when you were a kid, they were always working, you know, they were always bringing work home and they always did something at home that maybe took them away from you or that's just what they remember. You know, I sometimes have to work at night and when I'm not podcasting and helping out at the John White School of Mentoring, which you can join by the way, by sending a tweet out to add our journey for pricing and packaging. But you know, my, my kiddo thinks that when I'm on my computer, I'm either working or talking to John White, and then I do that a lot, even though I don't usually do that when she's awake or here. But that's what she thinks of. Hmm. Dad's a workaholic. <laughs> right, right. And I think that, you know, that kind of, like, workaholic or, or even the flip side of that, right? Like, like really like avoidance of work like are, those are two things that can be modeled and then we have strong reactions against it it's like either like we catch the bug and we want to do that or you know maybe for hopefully for health healthier reasons you know we just like what we're doing or we have a reaction we go oh you know there were things there were trade-offs i like that i didn't like it you know so um but it definitely is you know maybe the foundational thing is, you know, we, we observe things, right. And then we, we react to them sometimes against them, but it's, it's just generally a reaction. Sure. And if your parents or parental parental figures had a very poor work-life balance, 
that's going to affect you in some way, whether you miss out on something or they miss out on something. And, you know, it could cause resentment and hurt the relationship. You know, to your point, if they are very good at balancing things, maybe they're present at all these extracurricular activities that kiddos often have, you know, an after school club, a choir performance, some kind of track meet if you're in sports, maybe. All, all kinds of different things where where you might be involved that it's important for you to see parental figures there. Yeah. Or, again, absent from those things, right? The flip side of yeah. that. So, you know, regardless of, um, you know, what, what that effect is, like, you know, it's being modeled and we react. So that... It's, it's a very interesting thing to, to kind of reflect back on, on my personal life and then, you know, on the, the, the lives of my coworkers and, you know, what they tell me it was like to grow up. And then, you know, my, I remember, you know, talking to my friends when I was a kid, you know, uh, understanding what their parents did and, you know, what they thought of it. And, you know, it was like, you know, so-and-so's dad is a lawyer and we like never saw that guy, right? Corporate law you know, or I think, you know, he worked for some big law firm and it was like, yeah, 150 hours a week or whatever it is that they do. And, you know, just never saw that person. Yeah. Well, I can tell you, you know, for a fact that before I got into technical pre-sales and I was supporting all kinds of different things, including the security monitoring system and we get calls when somebody who wasn't supposed to be on premise came on premise and they needed to know whether or not to call the cops. My, my brother-in-law actually made the comment. He said, you know, before you change jobs, you were always on the phone with somebody on a holiday or when Mm -hmm. we were around you, you were always doing something work related. And I never realized it. it. It just never hit me that it was that much. And that it was that impactful to, you know, a brother in law Uh, who knows what my, young daughter thought at the time, or if she even noticed, she never said anything to me about it. But again, it, it has an impact. And that's, that's kind of where we float over to shift work. You know, some people there's, there's on call, of course, that's just part of the nature of some jobs that you have to accept if you're going to be in that field. But some people it's just shift work. Maybe it's second shift. I had an aunt who worked second shift at the post office and, you know, she would, make sure she saw us before she went into work. And then after she got off work, if we were still up late in the summer, she would definitely come hang out with us while, while she wound down, but she made it a priority to, to spend time with family despite working that weird shift. And, you know, my, my grandfather, my mom tells me stories about how he, he worked third shift. He worked overnight, but he always woke up, after they got off school to see them for a little while, eat dinner with them. And then he went back to bed before it was time to, to go to work. Mm. So you, you can certainly make it work if you're Mm -hmm. a shift worker and, and you don't have a choice, but to work during that specific time period. But again, that can still lead to the perception of an absentee parent at certain events. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And the thing we need to keep in mind is like somebody's doing those jobs, right? There's yeah there's all kinds of businesses that are 24 hours or, you know, get out, you know, Oh, Hey, we close at 1130 PM, you know, like a grocery store or something like that, you know, a supermarket. And 
and all of those jobs are staffed by somebody and it's having some kind of effect like on that person's family. So something that came in mind. And I would also say that you might learn some sort of pressure to perform from your family members are, is their drive need to perform coming out as some kind of academic pressure on you as a kid? And is that a pressure you carry into your career? Because it was instilled in you at a very young age to, you need to get good grades. You need to beat everybody else or you need to, you need to make sure you're an all-star when it comes to the things you do in life rather than just staying average, let's just say. Yeah. And I, I mean, I have some personal experience at this, like, you know, my, I was, I want to say in grade school when my, and my father was going, just completing his degree. So we were living like on, on campus housing and married student housing, and he was getting his bachelor's degree. Um, I think when I was in college, my mother was also in college, like getting her master's degree. So, you know, both of my parents, you know, modeled this, you know, continuing education and like importance of education. And, and sometimes it's just direct discussion, you know, like, hey, an education is something that people could just can't take away from you. Right. And it's your ticket to your future, you know, those kinds of discussions. So sometimes it's modeling it and sometimes it's just, you know, direct discussion. It, it's interesting to me that you mentioned also like that competitiveness about it. And that is something that can be, I, I don't know, like a, like a negative effect maybe. Right. Um, I, I think that competition can be good, but like, you know, competition for the sake of competition, as opposed to like, you know, excellence for the sake of excellence, you know, those are, those are kind of two different things. Uh, I, it, it is interesting that you mentioned that because, you know, academic excellence and then academic, like being number one, regardless of how excellent you are, you know, maybe everybody else is terrible too. Right. <laughs> um, but it, it's just, uh, you know, one of those things that, again, you don't necessarily realize how big of an influence it is until you take some time to really think about it and maybe talk it out with other people that were around you, you know, then you start to go, wait, why is it that I have these attitudes as an adult about education, you know, for, against, indifferent, you know, a lot of it has to do with, you know, how we did in school or how we felt about school. And, you know, a lot of those messages, you know, get ingrained in us from when we're quite young, you know, and, and sometimes it's not parents. Sometimes it's like older siblings, older cousins, you know, like, you know, those kinds of people like, you know, setting the cultural norm um, for, or, you know, older friends, people in the neighborhood, like I said, extended family. Um, it, it, very interesting to reflect and see what our attitudes are because of those people and those influences early in life. Yeah, that's a fantastic point. You know, if your sibling is making fantastic grades and you aren't, then you might begin to feel this, oh, am I not living up to standards, et cetera, et cetera. I can think of a math student I had, John, when I was teaching math, who you could just tell that his family was putting tremendous pressure on him to get A's all the time. And the pressure got to be so much that he his performance went down and I had to have a conversation with him like, look, man, you're going to have to ignore the pressure somehow 
and just do the best you can. And the best you can is just going to be what it is. But if you can shut that stuff out of your mind and just try and learn the material, you know, and at a decent level of mastery, you'll be fine. But you're not doing it for them. You're doing it for you. It's interesting to how like that touches on our um, process versus results discussion that we had in an episode that I don't remember. Um, we'll I think it's episode it. 19 dreaming in bands process over outcomes. Man, you have this encyclopedic knowledge of uh, <laughs> what, what we've done in the past, but yeah, a, a lot of times, you know, family pressure and family discussions of academics um, are all about, you know, you know, results, like, are you getting A's, like, you know, those kinds of things, and not like, hey, are you studying correctly? Like, are you putting in consistent hard work at this? Are you are you working at it? Are you getting better? You know, and congratulations for being a hard worker and, and really sticking to it. You know, um, it, that, those are the kinds of things that, like, you know, um, if we do it, then, you know, one way and not the other way, like it has these lasting effects on us and, and we don't understand it again until we're adults and we can reflect on it. Yes, indeed. If we talk back about, you know, why are these people able to influence you? I think we covered a lot of this, but we'll just say it again. You know, the proximity to a specific field or career in terms of the people you're around might give you a sense of safety and make it easier to go into that career, it's not as daunting as doing something different as all the people you spend the most time with. And then if someone has a real passion for what they do, that can definitely be contagious. You know, that, yeah, very that much can so. rub off on your your kids, grandkids, nieces, nephews. You may get more interested in what <laughs> your family members are doing and who knows. Yeah, or even just the idea of like modeling, like being excited about something and passionate about it, and as a result, working hard at it and getting better at it, right? Because I, I definitely remember uh, there was something that, you know, one of my parents or somebody in my family was doing, and we watched them be bad at it and then watch them get better and better. And it was like years later, I was like, oh, right, you know, I do remember this happening. This definitely stuck in my mind. But, you know, not enough. <laughs> and at what point did someone in your family model that the mentoring school idea? You don't have to oh. tell right now. I mean, you can think about it. <laughs> yeah, development, right? But no, to like seriously answer your question, like I, I, I don't know that I, I actually I don't remember where I got this idea. I, I do remember that like helping other people get better is has always been interesting but I, I think it's probably as an adult where people like took a genuine interest in what i was doing saying hey you could you know maybe you're not great at this right now but you could be and here's the path forward to doing that and you know enough people did that enough times for me as an adult like you know late in life that you know, we're not family members, you know, but part of my, you know, extended chosen family that, you know, that kind of started to sink in, right? 20 years sure. ago when I was in my 30s. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> John's, 
looking for all the senior specials now at breakfast places like IHOP, Denny's, etc. Oh man, I've started to eat dinner at like four thirty in in the afternoon. I that that qualifies as a senior special, right? Of course. One last thing in this section, there could be a negative perception of a career field that your family holds, and you may just eliminate that as a possibility altogether. And I think we covered that earlier, but I wanted to mention it one more time. Sure. You're talking about like either job field that like you see like negative repercussions on their life or um, something along those lines or something that you, you know, you hear them talking about it and you're clearly not interested in that. Like that holds no interest for me. Yeah, definitely. Right. Or this is the thing that took mom or dad away from me all the time. So I therefore want nothing to do with it. Right. If it's important for me to, to be with the people that I care about, then I know that I can't do that. Right. Yeah. So what if we flip the coin, John, and talk about our careers effect on our families? If you're in, if you're now the person who has the career, how does that affect your family? We did talk about work-life balance in previous episodes, but I think this is going to go in, in a deeper, deeper detail. And we talked about that this could be positive or negative. So let's talk about the pros and cons, the good things and the bad things. Sure. You want to start out negative or positive? Let's start out. Uh, well, let's start out with the negatives. Those are the, usually the most impactful, right? The things that we remember. Okay. So since you're Mister Negative, what's your what's your first negative? Um, I remember my parents. Uh, my family got relocated several times as I was growing up. So you know, my father again was working for Eastman Kodak, and I think we moved two times. Like before I was in sixth grade. Um, so that was pretty disruptive. Um, but, it, and, uh, you know, it was something that we talked about as a family, um, you know, the potential for it happening, the pros and cons, what would be good about it. And, and I think that, um, it became something that I realized that I didn't like, but also the idea of moving kind of, I lost fear of it, right? You know, I'll make new friends in different places. You know, every place can be an adventure. Um, and I don't have to lose track of the friends, you know, that I move away from. So, I don't know. that it, it was still, like, mostly negative, though. <laughs> like, right around that move, like, the disruption of, like, boom, like, all your entire friend circle is gone. And this was, like, pre-internet days, so no uh facetiming you know it was like write letters uh that's, yeah. that seems impossible tough to keep in touch with all the pen pals that way yeah but it's it's a challenge depending on what age you are in school to make new friends be the new kid in town and even you know if one one parent maybe is not actively working but they're more of a homemaker they're going to meet people in the community. How's that going to go? They're going to have to jive with the people in the neighborhood, assuming they talk to their neighbors. How many people do that nowadays? I don't know, but hopefully <laughs> you do. Right. Right. And sometimes people have like extended communities, like a church community and maybe they're a member of a church that has like a branch or, you know, um, a location, you know, to, you know, where you're, 
moving to, or you have you know previous friends that are now or family that live in that same area. So there there can be some things that mitigate it, but uh, you know the whole disruption, you know that can be that can be rough. Now I also remember having friends who had you know parents who were active service military, especially I want to say in like you know, specific branches or officer corps, like, you know, as you move up, you're moving around a lot. And, you know, so there's like, you know, people who are like, you know, I met in college and they're like, oh, wow, you know, this is the longest I've ever lived in one place is like four years, <laughs> you know, and that, you know, thinking about how disruptive that could be, like, you know, I'm talking about, you know, three moves in six years, like, you know, that they were talking about going to a different school, like every single year and sometimes twice a year. And, uh, and I just can't imagine that, but, um, you know, like there's some high performers and, you know, they had a tight knit family, maybe, you know, there's, there's all kinds of ways that, to make that work. It, it just seems suboptimal to me, but, you know, you know, who knows, maybe there's, there's people that, you know, that's the kind of life that they, you know, they've modeled it and it was normal and, you know, they got to see exciting new places. It kind of makes you wonder if, that subset of the population is way better at just social interaction in general than the rest of us who didn't live that life because they had to. It's interesting. I, I, I wonder that it, there could be like two effects, right? I'm sure there's many more. Neither of us is a trained psychologist, but um, you know, there's the, what you just said, like, Hey, you have to learn to join a new community and, and acclimate very quickly and, and, make new friends. But the flip side of that could be like, well, I know I'm not going to be here very long. So I, I, I don't make strong ties. Right. And because the likelihood that I'm going to leave is, you know, virtually 100%. So I don't put the effort into putting down roots and, and making connections. So um, like, uh, it would be very, very interesting to hear from people who are listeners who grew up in that life, um, what their you know, reflection is like uh, if they had either one of those effects or, you know, if they felt like it wasn't an issue at all, uh, it, it would be fascinating to hear actually. Yeah. Fantastic point. You know, another negative on our list, John could be heavy travel or late hours. Obviously the, the relocation kind of falls into this category, but if you're someone whose job requires a lot of travel, you're going to be missing FaceTime with the family, you're going to be missing possible important events. And, you know, that hopefully the family's ready for that. And you talked about it before you took the job, but it does have an impact. Are you going to have to work late hours, be on call? Do, does this cause loneliness or maybe you're in an area where there's not a lot of support from family and friends? Are you going to have, child care when one of the parents is, is traveling, if, if both of them work and maybe your family thinks that your job doesn't care about you because they're trying to work you to death. And all they see is, Oh, mom, dad, uncle, aunt is just working so much. This company must not care about them. Yeah. Or maybe they don't care about me or the family because they put up with that and, you know, do all this, you know, travel or late hour stuff instead of, you know, spending time with us. Um, so yeah, a couple different effects there. 
I, I do wonder about that loneliness though. You know, I, I definitely remember when I had stretches, you know, during projects that were kind of about to go live or, you know, it was a semi-disaster after going live, like, you know, putting in like 80 hour weeks and, and just completely losing touch with all my friends and family and, uh, you know, the potential of that happening, you know, if that's your like normal is, it must be immense. I, I, I don't understand how people can do that. Yeah. Life on the road. I've heard from many people who've done it, not as glamorous as maybe it sounds. <laughs> that might've been something that I said, like, now Could've I been. know what the Hilton in Denver looks like and the Hilton in Phoenix and the Hilton in San Diego. <laughs> Substitute favorite hotel chain here. Sure. <laughs> what about inability to take time off work? You know, you, you can't take time off work because everybody's sick at your house, but you, you right. can't take time off to go take them to the doctor. Maybe you approach burnout like Kelly Schrader, but that's a, that's a lot of stress. Oh, I can never take time off. This is so inflexible. My spouse is upset with me because of it. Yeah. Can't spend time during the holidays or, or what have you. Like maybe, um, yeah, for example, working in the restaurant industry, like some, some of the busiest times in the restaurant industry are the times that you would normally want to spend with your family, right? Like, nope, restaurants can be pretty busy around Thanksgiving. They can be pretty busy around Christmas. They can be very busy around New Year's and you almost never get, you know, Valentine's Day off, like, right? So how do you have Valentine's Day with your, you know, significant other if, you have to work, you know, during that time. Or even just dinner time, you know, normal dinner time is normal dinner time at a restaurant. It's probably going to be busier than other times during a normal day. Yeah. Unless it's, you know, an IHOP or Waffle House and then 1 a.m. could be a hopping time. <laughs> what about aspirational activities like someone who blogs podcasts goes to user group meetings they're not trying to do anything that's malicious or hurtful to the family but if you're already someone who works a lot and then you add these things on top of it and it's taking away from from time spent with with the family that can certainly be seen as a as a negative aspect. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, it, there's, you know, two sides to that, right? Like one is the immediate effect, especially for young children. Don't understand why you're not available, you know, when their parents are available, you know, or why you're spending time at home working instead of spending time with me or, you know, just, you know, being in a casual family environment, you know, not understanding that, know, investment in additional work or extra, you know, outside work activities to, um, to advance oneself. Um, it, yeah, that's, that's very rough. I mean, I, I have to say that, you know, like in my family, both those things were modeled, you know, the relocation was modeled and it ended up being something that I did, you know, moved for a job. Um, and then, you know, I had parents who were investing in, you know, stuff outside work, you know, specifically for, um, uh, for 
job advancement or career advancement. And, you know, I, I understood both those things, right? Um, especially because it was discussed directly in the family, in a family environment. And I felt actually like I had input. Like there was, you know, even a move that, you know, I strongly objected to. And I, you know, we ended up doing it, but I, but I felt heard. Um, and then I remember another move that I was like, yeah, actually I'm okay with that. And then we ended up not taking it and that was fine too. Um, but you know, the, uh, the aspirational stuff specifically, like I remember, you know, my mother investing in outside work stuff, you know, that she need felt like she needed advancement in and my father doing that as well. And it's, you know, only when you suggested this as a topic and, you know, as a specific, specific subtopic, do I remember, you know, seeing those things like, you know, modeled for me and, you know, resenting it at the time. But again, sometimes, you know, you mitigate this stuff with the dis discussion, right? Um, why is this happening? You know, what is, what is the, the, the short-term goal? What is the long-term goal? Like, you know, just, I understand how you must feel, you know, because of this. And I, you know, I want to hear what, you know, the impact is on you. And those kinds of discussions can go a long way toward, you know, mitigating damage and resentment, you know, not, not all the way, but it can go a long way. Sure. And maybe even just being distracted in general, if you're someone who has to have email on your phone and be aware of it most of the time in the evenings, and you're distracted at the dinner table or distracted in conversation, even if you are present spending time with your family, again, that's still going to have an effect. People are going to think, oh, maybe he's here, but he's not actually here. Yeah, there's emotional presence, right? Like mm -hmm. um, physical presence, but then like emotional involvement with the people around you as opposed to, you know, um, being on the phone, like you say, like looking at something else. But I mean, even like pre-phone, if somebody was like around, but like reading the paper and not paying attention to conversation at the dinner table, I mean, that's the same kind of like emotional absence, right? It's like you're physically present, but you're paying attention to something else and not paying attention to the family. And, you know, that can be a problem. It, it's modeled and people pay attention and it soaks in and you're sending a message. Speaking of sending messages, what if we go to those positives? effects of career or effects on family. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's a good thing to do. Um, the, I think the thing that you and I have both experienced, you know, as field, uh, people, you know, field technical pre-sales, um, is the flexibility of schedule. Um, that's been underlined for me as I've kind of lost that with my new job, <laughs> having to go into the office every day. But, you know, if you have some flexibility in your schedule and you can adjust, you know, start late um, and stay late, you know, have, you know, extended lunch hours and be able to run errands or, you know, take kids to the hospital or, you know, follow up on extracurricular activities and just, you know, work extra time around that. So if you can work that out, you know, with job flexibility, then, you know, you can actually be physically and physically present in, in your family's life. And, you know, it doesn't solve the emotional presence. Like you still have to work on that on your own, but at least like, you know, that availability, like I'm there, I can help out. Um, you know, that's taken care of. Yeah. Or even if you can work from home one day, 
you, you know, you have an office job now. So maybe the flexibility in that is I get to work from home if needed because everybody's sick or I need to be here because a repair person's coming to work on the house or the apartment and everybody else is at school and work. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because, you know, now that I think about that, even that was modeled for me as a, as a kid, you know, my dad was a field sales guy. So, you know, he had some flexibility and he could, you know, help out a little bit more. And, um, and that really did help out. So how about like actually intentionally modeling good behavior for your family? I, every time I said model good behavior, I guess I'm really targeting kids, but being like an example, right? Doing things in a specific way um, to, to, to show that it can be done. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I think that you can show your kiddos what a good employee looks like, what the expectation is of them. For example, you know, I have a, a 10 year old daughter and most of the time I'm working from the house when she comes from home, right? If I'm not out running mm -hmm. around. So she doesn't always like the fact that I'm working while she's here and I've had to communicate, look, you know, my boss expects me to work when it's work time during the day and it's still work time. There are things that he expects me to do and those aren't finished for today and I'm not able to stop right now. It doesn't mean that I don't love you and want to spend time with you, but I need to do this because I, you know, they agreed to have me as an employee and pay me money so that I'm doing work and I need to make sure I'm not lying about that. Right. Right. And this is kind of the trade off of, you know, but I'm also, you know, physically present, you know, and emotionally present because I don't have to be on the phone, you know, on call handling like, you know, security incident responses at 9 p.m. or whatever. Sure. I'm on a podcast with John White at 9 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> but I think just modeling that boundary setting the ability to have some dedicated time where you can turn it off, put the, put the phone away, focus on the family unit, getting some FaceTime in, even if it's, you know, even if all you can spare is 15 or 20 minutes to have a conversation and it's quality time, that's going to be so much more appreciated than, two hours of you sitting in a room with your family, but you're on your computer working or you're taking calls. It's, it's the quality over the quantity. And I, I would hope that others would agree with that. And I, you know, I remember when I was younger, my dad would sometimes work on Saturday, but when he was home, I don't remember him having to do work at home. You know, we'd have conversations and, and do stuff together, but it was, it was quality time. Right. It's interesting. You talked about boundary setting, like, Hey, you know, I'm still working. Um, and you know, work is important, but what about, um, you know, boundary setting the other way, right? Things like, listen, you know, I've already done my work for the day and they'd like me to do more, but I said, no, like, 
spending time with you, kiddo, is more important than me just infinitely working for them. Yeah, that's great. And that's a great thing that <laughs> I'll definitely use. <laughs> yeah. And then what about the flip side of like that aspirational stuff that we talked about earlier, right? Like showing our family that we have this passion about something and that we're working at it, you know, and it might not have like a direct, like, you know, it's, it's a job related thing, but it's, it's some kind of, you know, hobby or like, you know, outside of, you know, work thing that we're doing that we're doing to really like better ourselves. Like I, I think modeling that can be very positive as well. Sure. And it shows that you're excited about what you do and that it's interesting, or, you know, maybe you're excited about something that's totally outside of what you do. And that's, that can rub off as well. Hey, you have a hobby outside of, outside of your field or, or inside of your field depends on, depends on who you are and how you prefer to set those boundaries. People like us tend to have hobbies within our field a lot of the time, but not always. But those hobbies are important, I think, to help with the boundary setting. Have I ever told you one of my hobbies is swing dancing? I think that was mentioned in several episodes. And if I were to go and grab them all, it would take another 10 minutes. So we're just going to just going to leave it there. I, th I think I've heard that. But if you're <laughs> listening and you didn't know, John has a hobby of swing dancing. And if you're in San Francisco and want to go swing dancing with John White, reach out and, you know, we'll connect on Twitter or LinkedIn or whatever, and we can go out Thursday night in the city. That's the big night. 920 special. There you go. Uh, but um, I, I, I do want to talk about, like, you know, um, money. Like, the, we had an entire episode where we kind of talked about personal finance. And I have to like chime in here because my parents modeled like use of money and, you know, personal finance in a way that like I can't ever forget. Like I, I think I mentioned, you know, my father talking about credit cards and credit as financial cocaine. Right. And like uh, that, that's just like etched in my memory, like his cadence, everything about it. And, uh, but at the same time, you know, he talked about, you know, personal finance in, in positive ways. Like he explained to me, like, I think I must have been 10 or 11 years old, maybe even younger than that. And he was talking about 401k, like retirement funds and how those worked and, and what he was doing. And then he had like an Excel spreadsheet and he would like map out like exactly how much money was in his retirement fund. And he would like laser printed out and sometimes dot matrix printed out that's how long ago this was and have it in his like day day planner um and it was on the first page right like that's how important it was to him like to to make sure that it was the first thing that he saw when he opened up his organizer that was a like a really powerful like um modeling to me you know and he could you know say listen you know my retirement, you know, I'm working towards that. So like nobody has to take care of me. Right. And I'm working so that I don't have to work when I'm older. And, and just that kind of discussion, you know, with me as a child and, you know, it was just, I thought everybody knew about retirement and planning for it. I thought everybody knew about IRAs and like what the 
the federal limit for uh, <laughs> putting money in one was, but it's it's just not true. It's like you know, it, it has to be modeled, right? So, right, and the answer is not always I must make more money. Many times it's I must get control of my finances. You modeling that control of the finances can teach their children. They don't teach your children. You don't have to reach for the highest paying job in the world. If you can use your money well, maybe that's the point. Yeah. I, I remember listening to a personal finance podcast and it was about this woman whose mother like owned like six rental properties. And she talked about growing up, like, the family would say, okay, we're going on a spending fast. And it was to save up money for a down payment to buy another house. And they would do that regularly, right? And that's just fascinating to me that people can, you know, have that as like a family, you know, part of the like regular family dynamic. Um, very interesting. Yeah. I think the last thing we wanted to chime in on here in terms of positives are corporate perks. You know, you may be in a role where you get specific benefits for being in that role. Maybe it's a corporate card or a corporate car, excuse me, vehicle. Maybe you are able to save all the rewards points for all of your travel and use that to take your family on a trip. Yeah, that that's really interesting because it is the flip side of like heavy travel. Right, we talked about that as a negative effect on family, um, and again, maybe this is something that you can have a discussion about. Hey, you know, mom is traveling a lot this year because of this project, and you know, dad's going to be, um, you know, a little bit more physically present and in charge in handling things around here. But at the end of that, we're all going to go on a family vacation to this other place based on all this travel, right? And if you link those things together, then maybe it helps. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. I think a lot of times little kids don't understand cause and effect. So, <laughs> you know, maybe that's around like fifth grade or something, fourth grade. I'm sure my elementary school teacher friends can inform me um, when cause and effect really gets linked. Wait a minute. You were, you were a teacher. You tell but me. I taught high that. school. Yeah. So sometimes in, even in high school, they don't understand cause and effect. Right? No, no, they don't. It depends <laughs> on the person. Yeah. But you can try to teach them. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, anything that we didn't cover, anything that popped in your mind uh, while we were chatting? I don't think so. Unless you want to do a career cause and effect podcast at some point, that might be interesting teaching people cause and effect. I think we've kind of been doing that indirectly in other episodes, but might be fun to call that out in a logical way. <laughs> Part of that John White school of mentoring curricula that we're always developing pricing and packaging to come. Just a reminder, we want people to subscribe and give us a positive review on it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. We want to know if we're being helpful and are always looking for interesting questions to ponder. We're collectively on Twitter at Nerd Journey. All right. Farewell, listeners, and tune in next time as the journey continues, our collective journey. I'm John White at B Journeyman for Nick Cordy at Network Nerd underscore, signing off. 
Adios. Happy Thanksgiving.